Hey, everybody, this is Brendan Gersall, and you are listening to the Speaking of Podcast. Today, my guest is Mike McNeil. He is a professor at Kingswood University. He was there when I was there, and uh, we just have an incredible discussion about cancel culture and critical theory and biblical justice. It is interesting, and I believe an important conversation for every Christian to pay attention to. Here it is, my conversation with Mike McNeil. Well, Mike, thanks for being here, man. Uh, so I want to have a conversation with you today about um, this whole conversation surrounding, and it's a, it's a bit of a web, and we'll see where we get with this because I'm just starting to put language to to what I'm what I'm seeing, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling with all this stuff surrounding uh, social justice and this bigger conversation of critical theory. Really, and it, and it kind of converts itself into a bunch of things that we're seeing right now uh, in our culture, mainstream culture, with uh, wokeness and and a lot of a lot of stuff. Just yes, that's the great, the great awakening. The great awakening. Yes. So thought it'd be awesome to have a conversation with you about this, especially because I'm going on vacation after we're done this conversation, and so maybe by the time I get back. I'm, I've been canceled, so we'll see. we'll see. I don't have the biggest platform to get canceled, so it's not a big yeah, deal. But yeah, we might not be in danger. We'll have but. to see. But <laughs> for people who don't know who you are, you uh, you've been a professor at Kingswood University. Well, as long as I can remember, how long yeah, is been, that? It's been a long time. It's I think it's like I think it's th- maybe thirty six years. I may so, be off here so, too, so as long as I can remember, because you, yeah. I was one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. And you were there when I was there. Yep. And you you have specific to this conversation, um, well, really, within that university, you have served honestly as a, as a real bridge to to the real world, for lack of a better word, right? You've you've been the one that's been teaching and training students to to go out and do evangelism, a lot of a lot of missions work. Um, you know, if there's a person at Kingswood that has uh, you know, not necessarily been full on in, in theological, philosophical conversations and really brought it down to the ground level and been tasked for that job. You know, you've, you've done that over the last several decades, you know, with, with doing missions work. And then you, for the last decade, you were telling me you have been, have been teaching biblical justice. Is that, is that, yeah, um, and it, it's a class called Foundations of Social Justice. Okay. When I, when I began teaching it, the the differentiation between the term social justice and biblical justice was— Didn't matter. A, yeah, they were just a little closer together. And, uh, right. So I've been—lately uh, I've been qualifying it as as a Christian or biblical yeah. of social justice. So, so why—like, let's jump into this conversation, because really I, I probably represent the average— Christian, honestly, maybe maybe my interest in this conversation has peaked a little bit more from a pastoral heart. Just wondering, you know, what is some of the the modern, you know, for lack of a better word, like the zeitgeist of culture that's sort of the the winds of culture that might be affecting my people. I've been starting to cue into some of that and and seeing, you know, King's Church people maybe participating in stuff that is is culturally current, but actually biblically inaccurate or like it's it's actually kind of going against the grain of christianity and i don't even know if they're like they're catching that and so i've been sort of start my my radar has been sort of going off the last two or three years and i'm just sort of really getting into some of this conversation surrounding critical theory 
and and maybe some of the things behind um, just the modern just the modern sort of temperature and ecosystem of social justice and it's turned into cancel culture and and I mean the English language is changing as we know it and all that kind of stuff and some of it's good and some of it's really concerning and so but I probably represent the layperson in this right you know get us started in this conversation like like what what are we even talking about here when we're talking about why does it matter that we even start to have a conversation about is there a difference between biblical justice and social justice what is critical theory and and what's going on what in the world is going on right now yeah well it's kind of a crazy time and uh, all of us i just eat that mic right there all of us feel uh, a little probably unsettled uh by by some of the things that that we see and so but i think behind all that there is just kind of a different a different view of reality that uh like a world view of a frame to to put things in that that has changed over over the last decade I began to notice it a couple years ago, but there's, uh, you know, as as Christians, we we kind of start out at creation, and we realize that, you know, God created everyone, uh, and right. you know, all people have value, and and it all begins at creation. And critical theory uh, basically is a it's a way of looking at the world where it's uh, people are uh, opposed to one another, and it's kind of based on power, like who. Right who has the power and who is oppressed. Mm-hmm. And so the starting point is, is more like looking for oppression. And, and so it, it tends to focus on, on a, common, a con- common enemy kind of view of the world rather than, rather than uh, you know, what brings us together, what's a, you know, uh, a common uh, unity uh, kind, right. of, kind of message. Right. The enemy, the enemy, according to critical theory, is anything that might oppress people. But the complexity of that is who defines who defines what is just and who defines what oppression is. And it kind of creates a system that begins to eat itself. Yeah, because well, and you you can see that you can see that happening now where uh, where it, it, you know, the the crazy thing about mobs is that they always turn on themselves. Right. And so once you get that mob mentality. Uh, and if everybody's looking for oppression, there's all kinds of oppression to go around. And so, so uh, for me, everything has to go. It has to go back to the Bible. It has to go back to, to the fact that we're all created in God's image, and that uh, and that Jesus Jesus died for for everyone. Uh, and I think there's a reason that Jesus is not. Uh, there's not a lot of details about Jesus physically uh, right. in the in the Bible. I think I think. That is, what he looked like. Yeah, what he looked like yeah. physically. Now, we know he's probably like a, you know, kind of a Middle Eastern olive kind of color. And, yeah. and what, I, what I usually tell people is he's kind of in the middle so he can reach out to all of us. Right. And, uh, and, and so uh, there's, a, there's a common humanity theme running throughout the Bible that, uh, so, that so that, you know, we're, we're all sinners. We're all... We all have great potential to do awesome things, yeah. but we also have a potential for evil. Right. And uh, critical theory is more, uh, is, is more uh, you know, kind of picking out that common enemy that we can all agree that we dislike. And there, there, I find a lot of pride and self-righteousness in it. Yes, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that we need to guard against, I think, as Christians. Well, it, it's, there's so many ways we can go with this conversation, but it's interesting, you know, when you, when you take... 
I, I don't know if critical theory is even the best word to sort of to sort of encapsulate this phenomenon of the the modern mob mentality really like um but a lot of the time it seems like the you know the 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 cry for whatever justice that's happening whether it's equality uh for, for if it's black lives matter for instance which which i i agree that's an obvious statement mm-hmm. uh it's a statement that needs to be made by white people i think that like myself who have a platform and, and i have made that statement but the the, the well, ch- i have i have three black lives in my family right that are, right you know and so obviously their lives matter, and I care a lot about what their future is going to look like. Right. And so, and, and so that that is a biblical like that is, and I preached on it a few weeks ago here at King's Church. Like I, I meant, I talked about how racism is a is a it's a sin issue, and and the Bible speaks to this and speaks to to unity and diversity and all that. And so, you know, for a Christian, when when we see this issue, say this is issues taking front, you know, the the front seat. Um, it's easy. The Christian does need to support that, but what gets what gets dicey and tricky is, um, and this is where I get concerned as a pastor. You start to see, uh, you know, if you if you jump on that lane, you start running down that road with uh, an ideology that you actually don't subscribe to the whole thing. Like, like maybe a better example is, um, you know, my kids all go to public school, which I'm, I'm happy for them. By the for the most part, it's been a it's been a pretty good pretty good experience. I think most of the teachers are good people, but obviously, you know, you're in the public school system in Canada, you're getting, you're getting certain agendas and certain ideologies, you know, promoted and pushed. And so even, even things like, you know, having to, to delineate with my kids, okay, let's talk about the pride flag. Let's talk about, let's talk about this, honey. I said to my daughter, you need to understand there's things about that that we as Christians we 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 raise the the Christian flag that's our that's our banner, but there's things about that that we actually stand with. We do stand with people not being picked on because of the choices of their lives. We do stand with people having the same legal rights in this country that we have. We're we're for that. We're for we are actually for tolerance. We really are, and like helping her walk that line. But then it, it, I can't just say as a parent who wants to raise my kid in a biblical worldview, I can't just flat out say, go wave the flag because there's actually things about the flag that I have to tell my daughter. We have, we have a certain view of what marriage is and my view of marriage has nothing to do with what the government says. It's, it's a, there's a, there's a God identity component to this. And so it has certain implications about sexuality and it's more complicated than just jumping in and saying God's for that. Yeah. And, uh, I think I think culture and uh, especially social media right now is trying to put it pushes us into corners like you've got to be left or right. Right. You've got to be black or white. You've got to it's and uh, I think Jesus was a centrist in the best sense of the word. Totally. He, he planted the cross like right in the middle of the of the messes that we make. Yep. And uh, he reaches out to everybody. So so I think one of the great scandals of the gospel is that it, it not only reaches out to the victim. It, it also offers like forgiveness and hope and transformation for the perpetrator. Right. Uh, and yes. so as a Christian, I have to, you know, I refuse to, to dehumanize and demonize. Like I refuse right. to join a side. I have to, I have to stand like right in the middle and try to understand everybody and be a, and be a bridge. Yes. Uh, and, and bring healing instead of division. That's very different from what, 
you know, the modern sort of wave of cancel culture is doing, right? Because the, you know, this whole idea of cancel culture, you know, going back 10 years, Mike, you tweeted something that was, was anti, anti so-and-so or whatever. And, and now you're canceled, you're done because of something you said or did that was wrong at that time. And what, what critical theory ultimately leads to is, is more oppression uh, it's just it flips it back on who on on a different people group, and the gospel doesn't do that. The gospel says actually we're all the villains, um, and and if you can't see yourself as both oppressed and oppressor, because the cross says you're both, right? Right, and and you know Jesus is calling us all out, right? You know, and he and he wants to cancel our sin, and yeah. not, like not just our, not just the sins that that uh, we don't like, he wants to cancel the sins that we like as well. Yeah, I don't, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson at all? You, yes, you yes like, I am. I, 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 I was intrigued by him. Obviously, if you Google his name, you're going to get all kinds of crazy. But I read his book and have listened to some of his lectures and stuff like that. And the guy seems genuinely like he's got a, a really good heart and a brilliant mind. And I was listening to uh, him do a talk um, he has like a series on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. like uh, Genesis. He goes through Genesis, and some of it's really good. I think you know we could probably have a whole conversation about him, and I I would love him to have a revelation of the grace and presence of God Absolutely. in his life. But man, he's thought through some stuff at a level that that I haven't as a believer, and so there's some rich stuff. But anyway, he was talking in it. Um, it was on Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was talking about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and and he talks about like he comes to this point where he he mentions. You know, the cross of Jesus um, is like this crazy picture of of a perfect God who fully identifies with us in our weakness and wickedness. And he, and he says one of the things that it should say to you is um, that we, we have to see ourselves in each other. And like if you if you look at somebody who, you know, whether it's a. You know, he used the example of Nazi Germany and he said, like, the mistake is for us to look at Nazi Germany and say, say, how could you and, 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 and not see yourself that that you could, too, you know, like you could you could just as easily because of the sin that's inside of you. And you haven't had those same opportunities to to see it grow full bore to where you could be complicit and like he said, he said one thing that really jarred me about Nazi Germany. He's like, we like to think that, you know, it was really just one very charismatic person who duped a whole nation into trying to exterminate the Jews. He goes, it wasn't like that, man. Like people, people got caught up in that kind of cultural current and they subscribed to it and it was wickedness in them. And, he, and like he says, the moment you stop seeing your own capacity for wickedness and 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 just a sinister component inside of you, you're missing the gospel. And as soon as we start poking at each other, and again, we're supposed to call out, we're supposed to stand with the oppressed, we're supposed to call out wrong, things that are wrong. But the thing that I get concerned about when I start seeing, you know, some of my Christian brothers and sisters that go to King's Church jumping on the social justice warrior bandwagon, I, I get concerned because you're you're maybe the best way to say it is you're, you're it's like a new new Pharisee. Yeah, it's it's kind of ironic because in the church for so long we we worried about legalism, but now there's a when we work yes. we always associate legalism with the right, but there seems to be it's, like a, a it's, new it's swung left a, a new left wing secular uh, kind of version of being a Pharisee that that uh, is is and 
crowds are interesting things. Like you, uh, when you see stuff happens in crowds that can't happen to people like individually one on one. There's something that that takes over there, and I think there's a I think there's a spiritual aspect to things too. Like yes, like there's uh, principalities and yeah, powers. and and it uh, it almost looks sometimes to me like a like a, there's a sp- like once you let lawlessness loose, it just seems to grow exponentially. And right. that, that would be my concern just looking at the, the world right now is just that sense of lawlessness. And, you know, in, in the U.S., like gun sales have gone through the roof yes. because people are sensing right. kind of a Wild West thing coming where I better protect myself. For sure. I, I feel that. Honestly, yeah. like since since the COVID thing started, like like I, I don't own any firearms um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a complete disgrace to my, my uncles, but, uh, I don't own any yeah, firearms. I'm not, I don't, I'm not hunt. a hunter or anything. I'm like not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, nothing yeah. against it. I have right. family members that do it and they're very ethical about it, honestly. And like that, this is such a bee's nest conversation because <laughs> even, even the hunting thing, it, I've had, uh, there's a microcosm. I've had, you know, arguments with people who are like, you know, that's how could you kill an animal? And yet they're, they'll go down to, they'll go down to McDonald's and order a McChicken. Right. I'm like, don't you see? Don't you see your own hypocrisy in this? And I feel like we're in a time right now where where there's a lot of well, honestly, I would I would say like well-intended people. I think there's some just people that are seeing an opportunity to to posture and to, I, I agree. to like. There's definitely those people, yeah. but for the most part, the people in my church where I've seen you know them share something that I don't think they understood what they were saying. I think it came from a good place, wanting to to be there for people, you know, and to, and to wave that banner and stand right. with others, you know. But the reality is, you're getting caught up in in this kind of you know quagmire of of conflicting ideologies, and you don't even realize it, and you're you're circling the drain with this thing. Yeah, and what we what we need is actual real virtue, not just virtue signaling. Yes. And oh my I'm, goodness. I'm a hundred percent convinced, Brent, that. Uh, any movement, any movement that doesn't isn't driven by the Holy Spirit, just because we're fallen, sinful creatures, it's it's bound to go off track somewhere. Yeah. So, so the summer of love, like it always it always ends up with the Manson family, right? Like it's just that's just the way it is. And so, so I we we need to we need to be uh, speaking out on justice issues, but it's got to. The church has to rise up, and it has to come from a biblical place. Yes, uh, not uh, if we're co-opted by by these other worldviews, uh, yeah. we're getting into dangerous territory. Like, biblical authority is paramount, and spiritual intimacy, like both of that, like you, we we actually need the mind. We actually have to know what the Bible says, but we need the heart. We need the heart of the law in us in order to navigate these things. And I think the yeah, the virtue signaling that's just that's that's what you're seeing a lot of now. You see a lot of people. You know, okay, I'll post something and I'll go to a Black Lives Matter march, but like you don't actually have any black friends that you 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 walk with and love in your life. You know, like it's so funny to see the gap between posting something online and and but but the, how far removed you are from actually doing life with these these issues. I mean, I've been I've probably been to about forty countries, and I you know I've worked. I've worked primarily, you know, in in like poor kind of environments uh, with a lot of different uh, people of color, yeah. like all over the world. And 
what always strikes me is how much we have in common. Yes. How similar we yes, are. Yes, I agree. And the desires, what we're looking for in life, uh, there's so much more that draws us together than, than separates us yeah. and, and drives us apart. And, and whatever we focus on and whatever we talk about the most in life becomes bigger. And so if you're, if you're focusing on all the differences and if the media is just, media is just constantly like hammering on, uh, like on division, yeah. that, that's just going to grow. And so as a yeah. church, we have to speak up and, uh, and bring people together. Well, how's that happen? Like the, so, you know, back to this conversation around like critical theory, that's, that's one of the byproducts of, of all of this is, is more division. And you've seen that. You know, like take the take the the pride movement, for instance, like it used to be, you know, the LGBT and then L, or LG, you know, and then LGB. And yeah, then it's kind of it's kind of endless. Then LGBTQ you can just keep adding plus and then LGBTQT to RX and it, they just keep adding distinctives. And I, I, I saw this a couple of years ago now I, I uh, spoke on on identity and like specifically tackling the conversation surrounding a biblical view of gender and identity because that was that was really coming around at that time and like i think there were over a hundred on uh on facebook there were over a hundred gender categories that you could you could pick from and and i'm not even i'm not even gonna get into whether i think that's right or wrong what it does show us is it shows us that there's no end into how this this way of thinking um that stems from Like you said earlier, identifying oppression in any type of form, and that can even come with, you can't tell me I'm not who I feel I am. And that there's no, it creates these fractures and fragments in society that's, it's it's absolutely endless. Like this is actually going to bring more division in the end. It's just not, it's just more pieces of it, if that makes sense. like Right, and intersectionality is basically the concept that, you know, that there's a lot of different oppressions that that intersect with one another, and so uh, it's kind of people get into the role of defining themselves by victimhood, right? and, and the people who have the most level of oppression in, in their lives are, are kind of at the top. It's, it's kind of like a reverse hierarchy. Right. And so that's what's, that's what's driving. And so, so the impulse for justice is good, but biblically justice means, you know, everybody's treated fairly equally. There's equal opportunity for everybody. Yeah. It doesn't always mean equal outcomes. It's not like yes. we can take society and make everything, you know, everybody has the same amount of money. Everybody has, and that's the same everything. That's and that's what society wants to do, right? Like, and the, and the Bible well, doesn't. Yeah, that, that's not that's not a biblical concept. Like, I think I think having the equal opportunity, but there is there's so many other factors in our lives. Yeah. Besides race or sexuality, absolutely. So many factors. Inte- intelligence, that, yeah. even right, like that, yeah. that's a factor, right? So take this equal e- equal opportunity, equal outcome conversation. You know, you. I, I am all for, I shouldn't have any advantages, uh, you know, in this country from the next free person that lives in this country, whether it's my skin color, my gender, my religion, all that. I'm, I'm all for that. Like, however, I shouldn't be punished if I'm able to excel at a certain level. The, the trick becomes, though, and this is where things go left and right, and, the, and maybe the value of a left and a right is... What is that mechanism in a society that keeps 
man, this is such a crazy conversation. But like, if if the three of us in this room is me, you, and Ron, uh, and and God comes and he 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 divides he divides you know four hundred opportunities or dollars up between us equally, and we live our lives for a couple of years and we go and generate. It's like the parable of the talents kind of thing, right? Except you take the master of the equation altogether, and here we are with this stuff. We don't identify at all that there's a master that's given us anything, and so it's just me and mine, and I gotta I gotta get mine, and I gotta do what I can. There's nothing stopping me that, or let's let's make Ron the smart one, and I'm the dumb one, and you're you're the middle. There's nothing <laughs> stopping Ron from continuing to capitalize on my stupidity or my ignorance, and to continue to take more and more of the pie, where I'm left with very little. And the 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 conundrum is, people are bad. Like the the challenge is, a people yeah, people have has to be factored into the equation. Yes, like there, it's it's an actual issue, and that's why that's why none of these problems are new. That there's a small wedge of humanity who has so much because they've been able to to capitalize on the ignorance or lack of opportunity of other people, and there's nobody. And this is the cry of maybe the left is there's nobody kind of pulling back and saying, hey, like. You can't be trusted to do the right thing for other people. And I, I, heard, uh, I heard one guy talking about how, you know, the answer is not equal outcome. Like that we just say, you know, doesn't matter how much you work or how well right. you do with anything. You're all going to end up with a household income of 40K a year or whatever it is. And, and that's that. And too bad. Well, I've, I've been to some communist countries where everybody gets paid the same no matter how well they perform. Right. And... Uh, yeah, they don't perform well under those conditions. That's right. It doesn't bring out the best in us. Well, the, yeah. the, the worst in us is going to – that's the point here is the worst in us is going to come out somewhere unless it goes to Jesus and, like, there's an actual renewal of a person happening. And the, the, this, uh, this, this philosopher was saying, like, you know, in a perfect world, the rich and the people with power and the people with extra heightened intelligence and savvy – are going to be the ones that actually take what they have and give it to those who have less capacity. Yeah, and we and, see that happening uh, kind of spontaneously and spiritually in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And, and then we've seen it at various That's times right. through church history. There's a really interesting concept in the Old Testament called the Year of Jubilee. Yes. Which was basically God's system of checks and balances. It was like a reset. God had it in there. Yeah. After a certain number of years, like all the land, which was primarily the wealth reverted back to the original owner. So, so it was kind of, that was so nobody could, uh, become you know, just filthy wealth, generational wealth, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That checked that. And then God also had in there like legal mandates to care for the poor, uh, on, in the year of Jubilee or like, I think it was in the seventh year, uh, on any land that you were cultivating, you had to leave it, and then you could. And the poor were allowed, basically, on that seventh year, to eat the produce that comes from that part of your field that you're not, you're not cultivating. Right, like, and without, I mean, without the Bible, without the Judeo-Christian uh, kind of concept of reality, uh, I don't believe in critical theory. But you couldn't even have critical theory, right? Uh, because where because do you get a whole, line of justice? The whole concept of 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 justice and oppression and all of that grows 
it grows out of scripture. It just doesn't uh, kind of come naturally yes. to people. And uh, the you know the further back you go in in history, uh, you know the more slavery was not invented by America. Like right, it, it was no. very very common. Although that's been said the in the last few weeks and applauded. Like I, I saw, I saw it was in one of the many governmental buildings in the states somebody getting up and saying you know we yeah. invented this this, yeah. this this system of slavery like are you serious now america is very efficient and so they took, they monetized they took it, it at to a, new level. A, a different level yes uh but it was it was very common yeah absolutely i mean it's it's uh it's always been a thing and the reality is there you know it's slavery human trafficking and slavery still exist in the world today big it's time not like a past tense no conversation. not at all you know it's I think that one of the biggest things surrounding this conversation, I'd encourage people to go do some research on critical theory and the Frankfurt School and and kind of where these root where this stuff's rooted. It it it, it does have it does have some direct sort of parallels, if not roots, to like Marxism. Yeah, it's basically um, it's basically an application of Marxist theory. Yeah. To a lot of different aspects of life, whether it's sexuality or race, it's just it's just taking that basic concept and applying it to to various areas. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, the the thing I think we're we need to be aware of is like this stuff isn't new. It's just here in a different different form. And now we have like the digital digital component that that makes the conversation accessible to everybody and and fast and an inch deep and like the there's a tor- there's a cultural torrent of this stuff that is unprecedented i think yeah and uh that's the you know what's i don't know if i've ever it's all it's been around for a long time but uh it seems to be being embraced by larger pieces of the population than ever before and I yeah think that's the that's the new part of it that that should be uh, concerning to us as as a church, yeah, and uh, and I think, I mean, the church should really be at the forefront of justice. I, I totally agree. We shouldn't be, uh, you know, in the back seat somewhere for sure. And I think to to be fair, like you know, maybe some of the the social justice warriors would would say, you know, the the church is has been pathetic on some of that. You know, like I think the church probably needs to do better at. At being that voice and maybe there's unfortunately we've left a vacuum that's now being filled with what i would call some really uh bad ideology um it's 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 a it's a wolf in sheep's clothing i think like yeah i think you know people are just inherently religious and yes they will the, yes um that they have religious impulses and i see a lot of a lot of uh what i'm seeing in the media right now uh, has has religious overtones yes, to it. Yes, big time. And uh, and it's basically like a more secularized version yep. of of what the church has to offer. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's babble having gone cult level. Like I mean like the, there's a cult component right now to like the like cancel culture for instance. Like that you're you basically if you don't fall in line with with our doctrine, you you're going to be shunned. You're basically you're basically put out and blacklisted, and that, that that's that's not new, man. Like the cults have been doing that for a long time, and now it's just now it's mainstream, which is which is yeah. And once weird, once somebody gets possessed by an ideology, uh, it, they just they see it everywhere, right? Uh, and that's what you, that's what you see happening. It's like sometimes when you when you talk to a person, you feel like I'm not talking, I'm not actually talking to them. 
they just keep spouting all these yeah, phrases, like the and, talking and like, points. Yeah, and 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 it's it's the they're, they've been possessed by an ideology, which is kind of working through them rather yeah. than you just having a sit down like one on one, heart to heart. Well, let's with like, a real like, person. Let's run that because like so. There's two conversations here. There's the conversation of what this is doing, I think, to society, and then the more important conversation for us as Christians and Christian leaders is how is this affecting the church? But you think about how this is running itself out with society, you know, read, read what, how like kind of communist Russia sort of became like Soviet Russia became what it is. Like we're starting to see sort of some of this, some of this stuff trending in that direction. Like just a sort of new cry for socialism and it's, uh, well, and the redefinition of words yeah, uh, and, and phrases that are so obviously, uh, you know, it has a very Orwellian 1984 kind of quality. I, I read it. that. Yeah. I read. I read 1984 a couple weeks ago. So I had uh, I had a friend of mine who's who's actually, I would say, is an agnostic at this point, but very much. Again, it's interesting some of the voices that are popping up. Like like we aren't we aren't just speaking some of these concerns as like these kind of outlier Christians. There's a growing voice in the populace that are are saying like, hey, pump the brakes on some of this. This is where this is going, and 1984. For those for anybody who's listening or watching who doesn't know, it's a it's a book uh, published by George Orwell. It's fiction, but it's like scary, scary um, accurate. To the odd thing right now is that fiction. Reality seems like fiction, and fiction seems it like reality. Does <laughs> and like so in this. This is where you get the the terminology. Like many have probably heard the word like Big Brother, like this. It came from this book, and you know, you, you basically it's this kind of dystopian r- future at the time. Although it's past now, it's eighty eighty four is a long time ago for us. But he would have wrote this, I think, in the fifties. I think um, he he uh, he called it nineteen. He wrote it in nineteen forty eight. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and it was a commentary about what was going on in the world. Right. It was post uh, and, he, and he just Nazi Germany. He just made it. He just made it in the future and used yeah. eighty four instead of forty eight. Yeah, and he so his post like basically took it, took elements of Nazi Germany and elements of Soviet Russia, and basically said what would happen if like those two kind of made a baby culture and it was Great Britain basically. Right. And so. And the stuff in it that he writes, you know, allegorically is happening right now. Like, you can't say that word. Or we're actually changing the meaning of words yeah. in order to suit our agenda. And that right. you're literally seeing that happen. And that, that to me, is my one of my big issues for Christians is we, we can't start redefining words that the Bible defines. Like, that, that, that is a—like, the whole thing is based on the word— yeah, and you know the creation of the world is is you know spoken by God. It's the words are very very important, huge, yeah. huge, and 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 so like it's not it's not as simple as just changing words to to fit our. Well, words are if you know if you if you don't have a belief in God, words are just a social construct, right? And you can do whatever you and want. And so is so, gender, and yeah. so is marriage. It's all just a social. So may may the may the people who. Uh, can gain the most control win basically yeah, yeah. and you, you do see so you know from a societal standpoint 
I think it it would be wise for people to. I, I I admit I have not read the entirety of the Gulag Archipelago, but I yeah. I've gotten the Coles notes. I've watched some some videos that basically summarize it, and even that is enough to to kind of send some chills down your spine. Of, well, Solzhenitsyn had a great. There's a great statement out of that book where he says, like, it would be so easy if there was just a group of bad people, and we could separate them and point the finger at them and get right. rid of them. He, but evil runs through every human heart. Right. And so just, again, to, yeah. to catch people up, uh, that's that's a book. Uh, is it, uh, is it, what's his first name? Alexander. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote this book basically out of it, – it It was probably pretty critical in bringing down Soviet – Soviet Russia, like I think it was a, it was a he pretty was major, a voice. Yeah. pretty major thread pulled that started to unravel it a little bit, and he started calling, calling out, you know, what was really going on in in communist Russia, and yeah, that's that's the piece again. It doesn't matter whether it's it's Nazi Germany, which would be like, you know, the the right running wild, or or Soviet Russia being the left running wild. It's still, it's still what happens when human beings get unchecked power. Right. And, yeah. and that's that's the point of Genesis chapter 11, Tower of Babel. Right. Like it, like that's when when you see these the human beings kind of organizing together, building this great tower. Uh, and God says, you know, basically, I'm going to go down. I'm going to I'm going to disassemble this, because if I don't, I forget what the line is, says something like they'll be they'll be capable of anything kind of thing. And I used to read that like, well, was God nervous? No, right. right, right. Was he, was I know he, what you mean. But but actually, no. The language in there is they'll be capable of doing un like horrible things to one another. Like this is gonna this is gonna be their right, ruin. So it was protective. I'm gonna yeah. destroy this to save them, right? right? Because and that's like where that uh, kind of that Mark Sayers line, like you're trying to trying to build the kingdom without the king, right? And, yeah. And, and Jesus, I mean, as as a Christian. I have to, my identity is rooted in Jesus. It can't be rooted in culture. It can't be rooted in uh, color, anything else. Right. As a Christian, it has to be rooted in, in Jesus first and, and uh, in the, you know, his kingdom. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see, and the, the interesting thing with, with some of this is that this, this stuff's so compelling, and it sounds right at surface level, a lot of it. Now, some of it's just getting so wild that it doesn't even sound right. Like, and you, like, you should just pull back once in a while and listen, like just say out loud what you're reading, you know, and, and, and really question, you know, some of this stuff, like it's, it's just incredible how far down the road some, some of us will end up running with, with some of this ideology and some of these talking points, even and some of the, the regular, some of the, just the jargon and uh, rhetoric that, that this, this time in our history is creating like you're getting caught up in in stuff that like think about what you're really saying. Yeah, I was listening to uh, like Sirius uh, XM in my in my car today. So you know, basically, you can you can choose. You know, there's there's a, like a Beatles channel. You can listen yeah. to nothing but Beatles if you want. And it occurred to me as I was listening to music today, that's the same thing with our news now. We yes, can, we choose our news. Yep. And and so we get in these crazy echo chambers. Yep. And and we're not, uh, you know, I wish somebody would st- start a channel called Just the News. Yeah. Like, no spin. No, you know, ju- this is just what happened yes. today. You figure out what it means. Well, we're creating like it's it's idolatry, really, that we're creating. We're creating um, 
ideologies in our own image, right? Is what is really what we're doing. Like we're Twitter is an echo chamber for what we want to hear. Um, the news. I mean, you can you can basically. You know, even cancel culture. What are you doing when someone says something that you don't like or disagree with? You don't you don't engage them in discourse. You shut them off. Right. Right. And so, like, we, we've created this world where we all get to be God. We all get to be the authority. Right. And that's the that's the scary part of all this for the Christian is some of some of this kind of modern landscape is is pulling at the very thread that that you know, it's pulling out the foundation of everything we believe. And that is, you know, Jesus is Lord. Right. And like that, it's not, this is not some, he's not here to have a dialogue with you about, you know, what, what, what do you think, Mike? You know, like he's not, he's. Yeah. And that, and where, where postmodernism plays into uh, like intersectionality and, and, uh, and critical theory is, it's just the, you know the idea that there is no big overarching truth, right? Uh, and and so if that's true, then everybody just has their own truth, and it's a competition. Yeah. Whereas as a Christian, I have set aside my truth. I've set aside the way I grew up, uh, maybe some of the things that I inherit, and and I I look at God's word and I say this is the measure of truth. Yes. And everything in my life and everything I see around me, I measure by that, yeah. not by my own standards. And that's that that I mean you said the word my truth in there. I mean that's a that that's something that as a Christian we have to reject. Like you you have to reject the terminology my truth. Like to be a Christian is to say my truth sucks. And it's not true. Right. <laughs> so there, there's a truth and, and his name is Jesus. And like that, that to me has been my biggest concern as a pastor has been, uh, you know, in some of these dialogues, I've had, I've had tearful conversations with people who, who maybe have left our church uh, over, you know, how I've, how I've preached on, on identity or marriage or sexuality. Those are the big hot button ones, right. I think, you know, and they, and they've left and, you know, the heartbreaking thing for me has has been, you know, like they didn't leave over a biblical discussion. They left they left over how they feel. Right. And 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 I, I've been very upfront as a pastor about some of these things. Like the like if you can if you can make a biblical case for something, I have to submit to that. I'm not trying to create some agenda. I'm not trying to, in fact, it'd be much easier if the Bible said, you know, let us create man in their image, you know, like it'd be much easier. All of our lives would be easier if the the Bible uh, was, you know, more user friendly to our current culture. Totally. (laughs) Absolutely. But it doesn't, it just doesn't move for our needs. And so like my, my, my big fear and concern for Christians is if you are walking away from a church community because you disagree with a stance, is your disagreement based on the Bible? Is it based on the authority of the Word, or is it on, uh, you know, your your opinion? Is have you actually done biblical study on this? And, and that that to me is my my biggest yeah, li- concern lived, for the Christians. Lived experience is kind of king. Yes, and so uh, you know, and lived experience is based on more. This is this is what I experienced, and this is how I feel. Yeah rather than a, a kind of an objective reality or an objective measure of truth. Yeah, and I've seen, I mean, I've seen some families like that go to our church. I've seen, I've seen, 
I've seen both. I've seen some families that, um, you know, they'll have a child come out. They'll have a child that's that's homosexual or, or maybe even, you know, gender, like they're changing gender, that kind of thing. And I've seen, I've seen some families basically change their theology because of that. And I, and, and as a parent, I get it. I do. Like I, like you, that's such a deeply knitted conversation, you know, for a person. It's, it's, it goes back to like, is Jesus King? That's well, that's, and and sometimes that means Jesus is put even before family. Yeah. And, or even before what I would like to do or how I feel about this. So I have some, I have some, some friends that like, I have a really good friend who, uh, is at our Halifax campus whose brother's gay, his brother's gay. And, you know, but he, they've chosen to navigate together the, hey, I have a biblical, I have this view on what marriage is. It does, does not mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I'm going to, I can't be your friend or your brother. And like, I've seen them just, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go against what I believe uh, the scripture says, unless you can show me where I'm in error and I'll submit to that. But I'm also not going to just not be your brother. And I, I feel like, there's this unfortunate thing that's happened in the church where, you know, you'll have some, some folks who say, I can't not love those people. And they equate love as acceptance, like, uh, of affirmation. And so in order, like to stay in the church is to basically deny my, my gay brother. Right. And that's, that's such a tragedy that that has happened inside the church. Like there's gotta be a room where, like for whatever reason, Jesus was able to never budge on what he says and and truth and calling calling sin sin, and yet every type of person wanted to be around him. Yeah, and one of the things that has helped me is I've had co- hard conversations with people with very different viewpoints as as to, as to to reiterate, like, look, this is not my own personal opinion. This right. is not just me speaking. I'm I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Yeah, and and, it's and up you're to you to like deal with it. Your your conflict is not with God. It's yeah. not with me. Yeah, you work that out with him. And <laughs> you, that, you work that out with him. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's my feeling on it. And I think the church, out of fear, um, if if I'm changing in any way right now, it's not on my interpretation of the Bible, but it is on the like you know what, like just can we just stop making this such a freaking issue? Can we stop like? The, the 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 bigger issue to me is is the Bible authoritative, right? Like that's that's the issue. Can we stop starting with what's the Bible say about gay people? Why are we doing that? Why are we isolating this one issue? Can we make this a bigger issue? Is the Bible authoritative, and do you submit to it no matter what? And like that's that, and then that's on you ultimately to work out. For me as a pastor, it's on me to to help explain and help preach and promote what the Word says. And help equip you to read it, and help help you to think with it, and then at the end of the day, that's that's between you and God. And I'm not I'm not going to kick you out because you disagree with me. You don't have to leave our church because you disagree with me. Um, that's been the most heartbreaking thing I think as a pastor over the last couple of years, trying to navigate some of these things, is um, to see people basically leave when I've extended I've extended the hey, let's have a biblical conversation, but they don't want to have the biblical conversation. They want to have the personal conversation, right? And and that that I can't go there, and I'm and we're we're having two separate, two separate, you know, just two two sandboxes. Yeah, and here. sometimes I mean, there's always that balance between between love and truth, 
and Jesus embodies both of those things fully. And uh, so I grew up, I grew up in a, you know like a non-Christian environment. Didn't go to church. Uh, grew up like pretty what we would call today left wing. Yeah. And and then I as I came in contact with the gospel, it like contradicted everything I thought. Right. And the way that I was living, and I had to make a choice, like what I was going to do with that. Yeah. And so, so. You know, the, the idea that, you know, I don't believe the Bible because it's full of contradictions. The real reason we don't believe the Bible is because it contradicts us. That's And, and we have wow. it, and we have yeah. that choice. Yeah. Like either, either I submit to it or I change my theology, but, yeah. but something has to give. Yeah. I, you know, and, and to, to speak some hope to that though, I think like, I think there's a growing appetite and you probably see it more because you're oddly enough, you're closer connected to young people than I am now because <laughs> I'm not actually that young and I'm not working at a, at a university, but uh, my sense and my gut in paying attention to, you know, I'm at the older end of my generation, the millennials. I'm, right. I'm, I'm actually, I think what they call a zennial. I'm, I'm a between, right. I'm sort of Gen X and sort of millennial, but <laughs> you know, I, I at least understand millennials and, and now Gen Z are the ones I sort of scratch my head with. But, um, I think there's a growing appetite though as people are coming awake to, and if you can just get back from Twitter and get back from Instagram and stop retweeting and reposting crap for two minutes and think about like, what is this stream I'm swimming in and where does it end up? I think there's a growing group of people who are like, I need something authoritative because I've done the have it my way thing. And it's just, le- it just leads me to dissatisfaction and disintegration and it's fracturing things, not fixing things. I think there's a growing group of people that are, are like, what does the Bible say? Yeah. And, you know, bad times for the world are good times for the gospel. Yes. Like people in crisis, in chaos, people are always more open. Yeah. Uh, I, I, on a personal level, I've never been more committed to, I just, I have got to cling to this word, man. I've got to cling to the Bible. Like I'm, I'm, I feel so lost, honestly, like through with my own feelings, my own subjectivity with all of it, like wrapping my head around all of it, the sociolo- sociological components, philosophical, economic, political. It's just such a mess. And sometimes I just want to walk away and just grab my Bible and hug it and just say, I, I will do whatever you say. Yeah, mess is a good word. And <laughs> I, like, I would not want to try to navigate these waters without the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. No. Just wouldn't want to do it. And that's, that's the liberating, liberating piece for the Christian is, like, we actually don't have— I think biblical justice probably at some level makes it necessary that we have an understanding of the culture and we have an understanding of the cry of the oppressed. We have an understanding of the needs that are, are people are facing. We have to. We can't just walk away and create some Bible cult. That's not, that's not the answer either. Yeah, and we have to go, you know what? The Bible is full of justice, but the Bible also says mercy. You know, yes. mercy triumphs over justice. Yeah. And we... We need to just have that spirit of mercy in all the things yeah. that we face. I think this is, man, this is the time where, you know, I'm just having this thought now. I've not never thought of this, but, you know, you talk about virtue signaling and how, you know, you're now seeing in mainstream culture this whole rise of virtue signaling. And, like, I just want to be seen as someone who's woke. I want to be seen as someone who says the right things and believes the right things. Well, let's just let's just be fair. The church in the West for the last three, four decades have been horrible at virtue signaling. That's what we've done. 
we've basically said, this is what a Christian looks like. This is what a Christian says. You believe these things. You go to church at these times. You wear these certain clothes. You sing these certain songs. And if you go outside these lanes, it's going to be a problem for you. Right. And I, I wonder if this is not the time where, I mean, we've done that. The church has done that. And let's not get caught up in that in a different form, in the secular form right. now. And maybe this I th- is... I think woke is just the secular version of being born again. It I really think, is. Yeah. It totally is. Yeah. That's is, Tweet that. I mean, being woke <laughs> is the secular version of being born again. Tweet that and get some people to value your virtue right now. But um, no, it really, it really is. It's a, it's a new form of religion. And I wonder if this is not the time for the church to like, you know, we've been religious as Christians... It doesn't work. You know, there's, again, that relationship with the Holy Spirit, that submission to the word and embodying, like, just like, let's just actually be Christians who walk justly and love mercy. Like, I don't think it's going to be as complicated for us. If, if you're, if you're trying to navigate this virtue, this virtue complex with this virtue complex and try to figure out how to integrate it and make it all work, it's going to be bad. But Jesus just seemed to walk full of grace and truth and split the difference wherever he went. He was way too liberal for conservatives, way too conservative for liberals. And he just, he just would not get into the system. He would never let himself. The the right wing and the left wing were around for Jesus. Absolutely. you, You had the, you had the Sadducees and the Zealots on the left. You had the Pharisees on the right. Right. Uh, you know, and so all of those pressures that are that are current uh, for us, they they were there in Jesus in Jesus' earthly life. Yeah, and he and he just and he never let himself be aligned with the ideology, and yet he fully embraced the people. I lo- I love the scripture where it says like he you know there was this mob and he just like walked through the middle of the crowd. Yeah, like somehow he found a way to navigate. Yeah, through the middle of all that, and and remain pure in it. Well, and we, I think, we're invited to do that as we follow him. And I think the only way we do that, though, is through surrender. You know, to his word through study. I think we need to know what he says about things. I think that's one of the ways we we develop intimacy is just reading your Bible and studying it. And and like I think so, there's so much biblical illiteracy, you know that. Again, back to the well-intended component of it, you know, like when someone, when someone retweets, you know, love is love, um, you know, I think that's actually coming from a good and genuine place that's wanting to care for people. What they don't know is love is not love. Uh, love is defined in certain ways. And, yes, and some right. things that we call love is actually not love, according to God. Real love looks like what Jesus did. Real love actually loves you enough to tell you the truth and loves you enough to take your punishment and take the take the fallout of your decisions, you know. Um, yeah, we, we have to be peacemakers and truth tellers at yes. the same time. Not, uh, And what we tend to do is just pick what our favorite is. Yes. You know, we either, like, batter people with the truth or we just try to keep everybody happy. Right. Uh, but, you know, but we've got to walk that middle line where we're, we're salt and light. And that can only be done, I think, making Jesus our pursuit and making his, maybe his pleasure over us. Like if, if fear of being canceled or desire for likes from people is your motivation, um, you're never, you're never going to be able to kind of navigate. I think the crowd is very fickle, super you know, the, fickle. the same crowd that was. The crowd that was yelling Hosanna, you know, three days later, they were yelling crucify him. Right. And that's a pretty good picture of the way crowds are. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And yet, I mean, Jesus never, and now he's, cre- and now he's creating a crowd around him 
that are uh, not just aligned, but we, we are supposed to have renewed minds and to be able to actually think like him and to think with the word and to be able to, you know, so this, this conversation is important for people. You know, I, I, I think, think this, so. I think this is more than just us pontificating about, so what do you think about culture now? Like, I, I actually think that, like, I need my kids, my, my actual kids, but also my, you know, my brothers and sisters that are part of King's Church. Like, we got to be able to actually see what's going on and say, like, am I a Christian or not? And am I aligned with Christ or not? And am I, or am I just getting caught up in some things that sound right? Or maybe there's pressure, or maybe there's just this sort of like cultural current that's sort of sweeping me away, and I'm not actually living, uh, you know, like as a disciple. Yeah, crisis is clarifying, and I think there's going to be, I, I think there are going to be some people like kind of after COVID that just don't come back to church. Yeah. It's going to clarify where they're really at. Yeah. And there's going to be other people that just dig in because yes. they're like, they're like, I'm, I am all in this thing. I agree. There's, I think there's, there's a big separation happening. And I think God is, God is drawing a line in the church where it's like, no, there's no, you, you're not gonna be able to straddle the fence. And, and unfortunately, I think there's going to be some people that, that end up in the woke religious stream that have, you know, had shades of Jesus but really only in as much as he will follow them, not they will follow right, him. Right. And that's, that's my big concern. And I, and to be fair, like we, we're all prone to it. We all want Jesus to validate, oh, absolutely. you know, our, our agenda and our, our position. And yet the Jesus that I've come to know and love, uh, rarely, <laughs> rarely, uh, you know, bends for the just, way I see things. He just won't things. do what I want. Not at all. No, <laughs> but like, that's the, that's, you know, you read him talk about, you know, like, blessed is the one who is not offended by me, right? Like, I'm the cornerstone that you either you either build on or trip over. There's no, like, you're going to have one foot on me and one foot in the world. Like, it's like, you, you know, you either, you either build your house on this rock that's not, it's, you know, you can't have a rock that's both immovable but will move for you. Right. Right? And, like, that's that's the, you can't have it both ways. And... I mean, and that's, that's probably why this conversation is so pressing is because like this is, again, this is, this is a foundational conversation that mod, kind of this modern sort of wokeness, critical theory, this, this new kind of, this current way of thinking, which isn't new at all, but it, it's, it's, to, it's removing the, for Christians Jesus as foundational. And and that to me is where you you are no longer you're actually no longer you're not a Christian when Jesus is not Lord. Yeah, there there can't be a kingdom without the King. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, and and unfortunately, I think that's what's happening within the church. That's that's the big concern within the church. So what do you what do you think? What would you say maybe to like you know you'll have you'll have some some people listening to this. You you know you got the the dude who's out there that's maybe watching Joe Rogan and, and Jordan Peterson and they're, they're swallowing maybe the blue pill or the red pill. And you've got, you've got the, you know, I'm totally stereotyping here, but you got the, the (laughs) mom, the mom who's reposting this social justice initiative and that one on Instagram. And they're all, they would all call themselves Christians and yet they're getting caught up in the sort of the, the culture war. You know, what would you say to, what would you say to that person who's listening? I think we, you know, the the modern term for, you know, kind of joining a movement is to be an ally. And, mm-hmm. and I think we just, 
we need to be super aware of what we're allying ourselves to. Yeah. And uh, and and so you know if you if you're looking at a movement, you know go into it, look, look at what they believe, what they're promoting, uh, and and measure it measure it against your understanding of scripture. Yeah. Uh, and and let let Jesus judge it, uh, so that you have an accurate picture of what it is. Yeah. Uh, rather than just kind of you know, liking one part of it and then swallowing stuff that you weren't aware that you were swallowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would, I would add to that. I think like, and then after you, after you find, you know, what, what the scripture says and what the, what the Christian ethic is on a certain matter, I think that the next piece is to have the courage, like the faith to say, you know, even if this costs me, uh, relationally, or this costs me, you know, social capital or whatever. Like I, I, I'm going to stand on this, and I can't let go. And I think that's that's the big thing. Is this is not the time as a Christian to be. Like I think I think it's exposing the lordship of Jesus and whether or not you actually have faith that He's good, even when it confronts your own understanding or the understanding of culture. And I think that that'd be the big thing I'd love to see. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, I I think it's safe to say that the culture is kind of turning on the church in, in yes. some ways. It, and yes. so, so, you know, that, that means that we, uh, you can no longer be a casual cultural Christian. Right. That category is not going to exist. Yeah. And so you have to, it's, it's going to force everybody to kind of, to make, to make their choice about that. it is and i think you know to, to put some of our listeners maybe that are christians on notice like you're if you haven't felt that pressure already it's coming you will because i've felt it as a pastor yeah and like if i'm the tip of the spear in this house like it's gonna it's gonna get through the, the it's, it's passing through it really is and i've been navigating this as an individual for a while and like back to your separation point and crisis like i do think we're in a time a unique time we're in the church there's a, there's going to be a separation of 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 Christianity and cultural kind of the cultural religion and even the churches and denominations that have tried to straddle the line. Most of them are almost dead anyway. Um, the ones that have kind of just taken a broad, they've made the narrow path broad. They're, they're mostly dead and dying. And I don't know if they're going to survive even COVID because that's a whole other conversation for another day. What, (laughs) what is this last, what is this year going to do to churches with, pre-existing conditions right like i mean that's yeah. that's coronavirus seems to really be bad for just like different people have you know various yes. levels yeah of uh danger churches do as well. yeah i i just don't see i mean some of the some of the mainline denominations were already hemorrhaging anyway and you know again i you see they're the ones that have kind of gone gone wide with their orthodoxy right and they're dying and I, again, I think it's we're coming into a time where the good news is it's going to be much clearer what a Christian is and what isn't. The the bad news is I think maybe or the hard news is it's going to be a little more. It's going to be harder to be a Christian, yeah, for sure, um, than it than it has been. But I think it's going to make better Christians. Yeah, uh, the church has done really well in tough soil, and I think that's something we should be hopeful about. So. Man, this has been fun. Yeah, it's this been has great. been a good conversation. We should do it again. We should uh, maybe get some feedback and some fallout. Hey, and, it's going to be interesting. And we'll uh, we'll we'll go we'll uh, 
take another take another stab at it. Hey, read uh, read George Orwell's 1984 if you haven't, and uh, it's quite it's a good it's a good read actually. I quite enjoyed it. So, um, but more than that, it was terrifying. So, <laughs> so Mike, thanks for jumping on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks again for joining us today. I hope that encouraged you like it did me. Super interesting discussion. We need to talk more about it. Hey, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, share this podcast, help us get the word out and share these ideas and conversations with as many people as possible. Have a good one.